0: Guys, I, I mentioned to you that this is going to be our last lesson, so it's less seven lessons. We're going to finish up this lesson. Now, if, I want to just remind you why we had we took a break from our Old Testament survey and why we were looking at this topic, and that is because basically around us there are people who are walking away from the faith, they're walking away from Christianity. And, or they're in church, and their commitment levels have dropped. Their desire for the Lord is no longer the way it used to be. And this is a real significant issue, and it's happening. You see prominent people who are, quote, leaving the faith, leaving Christianity, saying they don't believe anything. And, and so you, you listen to these things, and, first of all, I'm like blown away. What do you do? For a lot of folks who are walking away, there's there's a common thread, a common element, and the common element is Jesus wasn't real. Jesus wasn't real. What what I mean is, is what, what people embraced was a system of thinking, a doctrine, or quote, just a belief, but there was no meat to the belief. Do you understand what I'm saying? There was no reality of God there for them, or is not the reality of God there for them? The presence of God was not real in their lives. And 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 to be honest with you, that that to me can be the only conclusion that I can come to. How can somebody? Because I mean, I, let me just stop for a moment. Let me help you understand. Thirty plus years ago. We, we would talk in terms of once saved, always saved. There's no way, way anybody could lose their salvation. And, and, but then you raise the issue of what about if somebody walks away from the faith? Well, that just happened very rarely. You never saw that or never talked about it. Now that's happening a lot. So how do we, how do we embrace eternal security, but then we have people around us who are apostatizing? Do you understand what apostasy is? This apostasy is leaving the faith. And the scripture says when you do that, there is no salvation. So how do you how do you do that? So now we're having to wrestle with that because we're watching people do that around us, but yet we still believe, and I still believe, in eternal security. So maybe they were never saved. Yeah, I probably think that they were never saved. But here's what I want you to see. What about us? When our faith and our desire for the Lord is diminishing and it's reflected in our commitment levels and so forth. So that's why we've been doing this series. Do you understand what I'm saying about rekindling our desire? Because I'll be honest with you, folks, the faith is not just simply a belief. There's a lot of people that believe Jesus is the Son of God. That doesn't mean they're saved, right? Okay? There's a lot of people who would say, oh, he rose from the dead. But that doesn't mean they're saved. Faith is so much more than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Faith is so much more than that. And so if your faith is diminishing, how do we rekindle that? So that's what we've been looking at over these last few weeks. So we're going to look at one final thing this week about seeking God. We realize we've got to seek him to rekindle it, okay? We realize that he knows everything about us. We've, we've talked about the issue that we need to get real about the stuff in our lives and confess. So today we're going to talk about prayer, because that's really what needs to happen, is you and I need to pray and ask God to revive us, to stir our hearts again, to be real in our life again. Like if you're not seeing God like you used to in your life, something's wrong. you got to be praying about it. Do You know what I'm saying? You've got to be praying about it. So let's let's talk about that today. So the first thing we want to look at is the next step. So let's talk about the next step. We have to move beyond confessing our sins and begin to seek the Lord's presence in our lives. See, you and I can fall into a trap where we're like, okay, I know things aren't right, th- things aren't the way they should be, and we recognize, well, maybe it's not, I'm not where I should be, and so maybe it's this issue, and so we confess. But you can get into a situation where you're constantly acknowledging that you're not right, but you're not doing anything. You're not going anywhere. Nothing's changing. And so you've got to move beyond just simply acknowledging wrong things in your life to now you've got to say, well, you know what, I want something different. I want something more in my Christian life. I want to sense God working in my life. I want to see him answering prayers. I want to see him showing himself mighty. Now, I'm not talking about what you see on TV. I'm not talking about that at all. God works in different ways than that. He works when you're in the midst of a crisis and giving you peace. In the midst of it, it's the it's the sense of His presence in your life. It's the joy that comes from Him. So we got to move beyond confessing our sin to begin to seek the Lord's presence in our lives. The problem is, is we struggle with knowing exactly how to pray for renewal in our lives. I mean, the great pat answer here's the pat answer: pray about it. We just got to pray about it. Okay. Everybody would agree with that one. Yeah, we've got to pray about it. But we don't know what that means. We don't know how to pray about it. We don't know what to pray for. Some of us have even forgotten what it was like when we saw Jesus moving in our lives. And that may have been even just in a short period of time, but you forget And it's like, I don't know what to pray about. I don't know how to pray about this situation. I just know something needs to change. And so prayer, but see, the reason is, is if you don't know how to pray, you won't pray because prayer will be frustrating. Because you won't know what to pray for or how to pray. Okay? Won't know what to pray for or how to pray. We must recognize that we're asking God to do a heart work that only he can do. That's what's going to be about this prayer issue. Do you understand? Reading your Bible more isn't going to change the issue. Coming to church more, although we want you to come to church, keep coming to church. I'm not giving you an excuse not to come to church by what I'm saying is. But I'm telling you, coming to church isn't going to change your heart issue. We all know that, right? Would you say that Pharisees were perfect attenders in the synagogue? How was their hearts? Well, it wasn't good. So attendance isn't the issue. Okay, Giving isn't an issue. Serving isn't an issue. That None of that's going to change your heart because you can do all of that without having a right heart, right? So who's the one who does the heart work? Is it you? No, if you get older in Jesus, you realize there are things about you that only he can change, right? Only he can change. So... This is what we're asking. We're asking God to do a heart work. Okay, we're asking God to do a heart work. You say, "Okay, George, this is wonderful. You're sharing all this stuff, but does the Bible tell us about this?" Okay, well, that's where we're going to spend our time. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn again to the Psalms. We've been looking at a lot of the Psalms in this in this um, series that we're doing. We're going to look at Psalm 80 today, okay? Turn your Bibles to Psalm 80, and we're going to talk about a prayer for renewal. A prayer for renewal, and that's what we're going to talk about. How do we pray, and this guy kind of guides us through, the psalm is here, guides us through a prayer of renewal, okay? Uh, if the fellow's name who's writing this is Asaph. Okay, so let's look at this. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. O Lord of God of hosts, How long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears, and you have given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt, You have cast out nations and planted it. You prepared a room for it, and you caused it to take deep root. And it filled the land, and the hills were covered with its shadow, and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out her boughs to the sea, and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges? So that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit. The boar, out of the woods, uproots it, and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Visit the vine and the vineyard which you, your right hand has planted and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand and upon the Son of Man, whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. All right, let me just stop for a moment, because you know what, you can read this psalm, and you can immediately begin to make some assumptions that, I'm going to be honest with you, are incorrect. What do you mean? Well, he says a phrase here three times throughout this song. I'll, I'll repeat it to you. Restore to us, O God, restore us, O God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Now, when you hear that word saved, what's your first assumption? What's he talking about there? Salvation. Everybody agree with Bruce? That's not what he's talking about. You immediately could miss everything by just assuming that what he's talking about is salvation, you being saved. Because a lot of you would say, well, I am saved, this has no meaning to me. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about being saved from is the situation they're in, the dark times they're in, the spiritual calamity therein. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now let's ask ourselves a question. Can we relate to that? Did you understand what I'm saying? We're not talking about salvation in terms of being with Jesus forever in terms of heaven. We're talking about spiritual darkness that where Israel was manifested in being oppressed by its what? Enemies, having problems, difficulties. Oh, by the way, do you have enemies? Do you have difficulties and struggles? Oh, Jean says no. We've got to find out what her secret is, okay? Okay? What did she say? What did she say, Jean? Okay, all right. Everybody's <laughs> reacting around you. Maybe it's good I didn't hear it. Okay. So here's what I want you to see. We're going to see here in Psalm 80 a pattern that can help guide us in our prayer time. So let's look at it, okay? First of all, there's a plea for restoration in verses one to three. All right, so the psalmist Asaph is recognizing things aren't right, and so he's asking God to intervene. So okay, let's stop for a moment. When we're talking about rekindling our desire, we're recognizing what in our lives? That things aren't right. Things aren't where they should be in our spiritual lives. We're not seeing God the way we used to see him, either in our churches or in our own lives. So we need to go to him and we need to ask him because he's the only one who could change things to what? Change us. To do the work. Okay, so I want you to notice a few things here. First of all, the psalmist calls God to listen to his plea for help. First thing he starts off with, look at what it says there in Psalm 80, is give ear. Like, have you ever talked to somebody you're in the midst of the crisis and you just feel like they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, listen to me. You ever done that with somebody? When you're talking to them and they just you feel like they're just blowing you off or they're like, oh, they're not really grasping. And, and you say, no, 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 listen to me. This is important. That's what he's doing here in prayer. Now, why would you do that with somebody? Okay, if I'm talking to Rob, and I'm like, Rob, this is what's going on, and Rob's like, oh yeah, sipping on his coffee, and I'm like, no, listen to me. Why would I do that? Why would I say to Rob, listen to me? What would you say, Shauna? Frustration, okay. Desperation. I feel like Rob's not paying attention. It's not that Rob's not paying attention. Rob, I'm listening to everything you're saying, you know. Okay. What? I believe it's important, and I want you to listen to me, and I think you don't think it's important, right? Yeah, so frustration that Shauna mentioned earlier. This is what, so when you go to prayer, look, here's the thing. You've got to ask yourself, is this a real issue or not? Well, it's an issue because you're bringing it up right now, George. No, no, I'm not asking you that. you got to look at your own life and decide, do you like where it's at right now, spiritually? And do you recognize that something's got to change and then you're going to go to God like the psalmist is saying here and saying, God, give me your ear. Listen to me. I don't like what's happening. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like what I'm seeing in our church. I don't like... When when I say I don't like what I'm seeing in our church, I'm talking about the spiritual temperature. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. I don't like the spiritual temperature in my life. I don't like that my friend has decided to walk away. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't like that, Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Actually, some of us get more passionate about how our team's doing than we do about how God's doing in our life. Can't believe how the game turned out. Really? Do you show that kind of passion for Jesus in your life? Okay, here's let's go on. He is the one that leads the children of God. He's reminding the Lord, Lord, you are the shepherd. You're the one who is guiding our lives. So who's guiding your life, folks? Is it the Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the master? So when you go to him, you say, Lord, give me your ear. You're the one who guides me. Let's be flat out honest. Sometimes when we pray, because I do this, we're not asking God to guide us. We're just asking for his... Rubber stamp of approval of our plan and our desire. That's what we're asking. We're not asking the Lord to guide us. Because, let's be honest, the reason why we don't ask the Lord to guide us is we don't trust where He's guiding us. Or we think the way He would guide us would keep us from doing what we want to do. Let's just be honest. So he reminds the Lord that he is the one that leads the children of Israel. The psalmist calls for God to restore them and show favor to them so that they shall be saved. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about, safe from their calamity, from their distress, from their situation. Look at what he's saying here. God, restore us. Restore us to what? Well, David said that. Restore unto me the what? The joy of my salvation. Restore us back to a right relationship. And then here's the, one, here's the wonderful thing. God starts showing me favor. How do we know when God's showing us favor? I think we see it through what, folks? Answered prayer? Doors opening for us? Because right now, if you're in a spiritual doldrums, you're not seeing anything. Your commitment, you're not sensing God's favor in your life anymore, right? And you're asking Him to show you favor. The psalmist calls for God to restore them and to show favor to them. So then, here's what He does. Now, this is interesting. The next part of His prayer, and I think this is where we got to spend some time at, because here's what we do: we do do the exact opposite. God, I need you! And then, boom, we tell him what he needs to do. The psalmist actually does something quite different. He's reflecting. He's reflecting on what? God's heavy hand. He's reflecting on what he's going through. So here's what I want you to see, okay? The psalmist asks, how long the Lord will not listen to... It should be his prayers. The prayers, I forgot a T there. How long has he not listened to the prayers of his people? That's the first thing he's doing here. He's saying, God, restore me. God, show favor to me. Next thing he says is, God, how long are you not going to listen to us? Have you ever prayed that? Basically, you're saying, God, why aren't you listening to me? Wow, that's a powerful thing, because why aren't you talking to me? Are you ready for that when you, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're getting the cold shoulder? That's a loaded question, right? Because it usually is like, be prepared for what's going to be shared, right? The psalmist is saying here, Lord, how long will you not listen to the prayers of your people? You're, you're, he's inviting God to, basically show him what the problem is so let's yeah we want to we want god to re- bring renewal to our lives we want him to show favor to us we can we can deal with that first part of asap's prayer the first part of his psalm, but this part you've got to really really want something to change for you to go to God and say god why aren't you listening to me why aren't you listening to our prayers okay here's the second one he acknowledges that the Lord has used a heavy hand to deal with them. All right, let's just stop for a moment. Does everybody understand that there's a physical dimension to world to this world? Okay, there's a physical dimension. There's the organ here. There's a speaker from the organ. Okay, there's my chair over here. We can, You can hear it when I'm knocking on it. You can feel it. Okay, you can see it. But there's also a spiritual dimension to our world. Can we see the spiritual dimension? Now we see signs of it, indications. Okay, now, what am I bringing that up for? All right, so, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you put your faith and trust in him, who's in charge of your life? Okay, who allows things to happen in your life? Jesus, right? Does he protect you? Okay, sometimes, but yes, he does protect you, period. But he does let you go through things, okay? Here's what I'm saying, Bruce. You're, when I explain myself, you'll understand what I'm saying. God's hand is upon you. Nobody can touch you except he what? lets it happen. How do we know that? Job chapter 1 and 2. All right, so here's what the psalmist is acknowledging He's acknowledging God. These difficulties, these struggles that we're going through, this stuff that's tearing me up, you let it happen to me. See, he understands the spiritual dimension. It's not just that you got a mean boss. It's not just that you're struggling with your health and its sickness. It's not just that times are tough financially and you're going through the ringer God's allowed it to happen in your life, okay? So he acknowledges that God uses a heavy hand with us. Now let's just stop for a moment, folks. How does God get our attention when we're doing wrong? How does God get our attention? This is obvious, right? Yeah, discipline. How does he discipline us? Yeah. Yeah, listen, one of the Haggai, one of the one of the this is an amazing verse. I struck you with mold and mildew in the, in the work of your hands, and you did not seek me. God's saying I brought terrible situations to you and all that you were doing, I didn't allow you to prosper, and you still didn't seek me. Wow. We don't think in terms of that. We think in terms of God's supposed to be blessing us always, right? And it must be that I don't have enough faith if that doesn't happen, which is a lie. God sometimes allows stuff to happen because he wants your attention. Do you understand? He wants your attention. And so he's acknowledging here And I think this is what needs to happen in our prayer life. He acknowledges that the Lord has used a heavy hand with him. I think what we need to do is not just, Lord, why aren't you listening to us anymore? God, I know this is happening to me because you're trying to get my attention. You've had a heavy hand with me. Let's go on. The psalmist repeats the call to restore them and to show favor to them so that they will be saved. So again, he pauses right here and he says, God, restore us, show favor to us, save us out of our calamity, out of our situation. Be real. Do what you've got to do. Yet, the psalmist reminds the Lord that he is the one who established Israel in the land as a vine. For us, that would be like, Lord, you are the one who what? Save me. You are the one who called me out of darkness into light. You are the one who gave me new light. That's basically what you're saying in your prayer is, God, I'm your child. You are the one who did your work in my life. For me, it was 33 years ago, Okay? 33 years ago. Yet the Lord allowed difficulties to destroy them. Wow. Again, he's acknowledging, this stuff I'm going through, God, you have allowed it for your purpose. For your purpose. And then, next thing I want you to see from this section, the psalmist is recognizing that God is the one who is allowing them to suffer. God is the one. It's not your boss. It's not, not the neighbor that's a pain. It's not any of, it's not some political party. It's not any of that. It's not some other nation. Do you understand? God is the one who's ultimately a control of your life. And the difficulties you face is because God has allowed it for a purpose. This is what He's acknowledging here. And in their life, it's because they weren't right. They weren't right with the Lord. So then notice now, Verses 14 through 19, we see his prayer for revival. Okay? His prayer for revival. The psalmist calls the Lord to remember them and to turn his eyes on them again. God, remember me. Now, when it says turn his eyes on them again, what do you think that means? All right, listen to the prayer, okay? But there's another practical way of saying it. Anybody got a clue? Okay, watch over. That's good, Mike. I'm thinking about something even more practical. Ready? Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me again. That's pretty practical, isn't it? I mean, what everybody else shared was good here, but I'm just, I, I guess I'm a little bit more practical than that. God, can you turn your eyes on us again? Can you pay attention to us again? I know we were a disappointment, but can you pay attention to me again? Wow, that's what he's asking here. God, pay attention to me. All right, let's go on. Here's his prayer. Continues on. The psalmist asks the Lord to revive them so that they will call upon him again. Now listen, this is interesting. The psalmist recognizes that something's got to take place for them to truly call upon God. And that's God's got to wake them up spiritually. See, here we are, we're saying, oh God, I want I want a renewed relationship with you. I want my desire to be what it is for you. But here's the thing. The only way that you're going to be praying and calling upon him, the only way you're going to be walking with him the way that you should be walking with him is because he's the one who stirs you. Do do you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who stirs your heart to seek after him. And so what he's saying here is, God, you revive us so that we can call upon your name again. So we can be the people who are truly following after you. That's a pretty awesome thing to pray. God, you're the only one that can bring me to where I need to be. God, you're the, in order for me to pray the way you want me to pray, in order for me to be the kind of person you want me to be, you've got to be the one to stir me. The psalmist repeats the call to restore them and to show favor to them so that they will be saved. Wow, what a prayer. This is what you and I need to be praying. This is what we need to be wanting. Now, you say, well, how long will it take if I start praying this? How long is it going to take? Is it tomorrow? Tomorrow is going to be all right? I don't have any clue. But the question is, is how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? That'll determine how how much you will be asking for it. Like, okay, so we get irritated with people that come up to us even sometimes our children irritate us because they keep asking for the same thing over and over again for days at a time. They're just convinced, if I don't have this, I won't live. Do you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're, you're like, why even let them watch TV anymore? Because all the kids programming have these commercials of these toys that they've never seen before. And now toy. I can't live without the toy. You know, and it's like every time you just keep hearing it for days and then finally you get it for them, right? Months later, but you do it, right? Because that's persistence, right? They're being persistent. God wants you to be persistent and he wants you to wait till he decides when it's best for you. So there's a key to waiting because that's the issue is I almost think God wants us to wait because he really wants to see if you really want it or not. Do you want know saying, you know what I mean by that? I mean if, if we just ask right now God change us and he changes us, what how does he really know that we want to change? You've got to really want it, to seek after it, right? And I guess that's what we got to do here. So let me just kind of share some scripture with you. Again, I've shared this with you already once before. Hebrews 11.6, 11 11 six, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who, what, diligently seek him. Diligently seek him, okay? So let's talk about the key here, the key to waiting, all right? The key to everything in our spiritual lives is faith. Whether you believe God's going to do this or not. All right, so first of all, let me just stop for a moment. I want everybody to recognize. Do we want something more in our spiritual lives? Do we not want something more? Yeah, right? It's not just that simple. The next step is do you believe that God can bring it to you? That's where faith comes in. We recognize that we need something different. Do you now recognize that God is the one who can do it? That's faith. Faith. So this implies that faith is more than just simple belief. I've used this illustration before, you know what, I'm at that age where I have to go periodically to the doctor. When I was younger, I didn't go to the doctor hardly at all, but now I have to go every six months or something for him to check, well, you know, if you're older you understand, for him to check different things, and, and, and you know, you walk in there, and you're sitting there, and, 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 and are you like me, I just kind of look around rooms. Oh, there's this chart over here. There's this advertisement over here and talk to the doctor about that. And then other things you see on the wall are his certificates, his degrees, his certifications, his state line, whatever. That's all there on the wall, right? And so you can sit in there and you can look around. And you can see all the instruments and stuff and, and, and the, the table that you sit on and everything. And you can know by seeing that, you can have simple belief that this guy's a doctor, right? And when he talks to you, he'll talk to you in doctor talk. Now, when he tells you to do something, that's where simple faith is not enough, right? Because a lot of us might listen to doctors and say, Oh yeah, I, I think I know better, doc. Thank you. We would never say that out loud, not to him, right? But faith comes into whether or not you're going to listen to what he says. Faith is whether or not you believe that he is a doctor and he knows better, right? That's faith. Trust. See, this is why I need you to understand. This implies the key is that you have faith that's more than just simply believing, that Jesus is God and Jesus saved you. It's believing that he wants something more for your life and that he wants to do something in your life and that you're trusting him to do something in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's having faith that God has a greater purpose for your life. It's having faith that he is going to do the work. He's already doing a work because you're praying and even asking him to do the work. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what faith is. Faith. Is more than just a simple belief. Our faith, here's the thing, that kind of faith pleases God. It pleases God. I was just when I was writing this lesson, I, I've shared this through the years too. I, I was remembering our kids when they were smaller. I remember Louie and I living in Angus, Ontario. Canada, when we were pastoring there, and Maddie and Foss, when we were younger, and Maddie had a toy that she was playing with, and Maddie broke the toy that she was playing with, and Maddie believed Daddy could do anything. And she would t- brought me the toy and said, Daddy broke. Meaning, Daddy, I need you to fix this, because she believed Dad could fix it. Now, there were some things that Dad could fix, and there were other things, let's be honest, Dad could not fix. Those things disappeared, because you wanted, what, as a parent you want your child to believe that you can do everything, right? But I'll be honest, I was just thinking, why did I think about that? Because I thought about how I felt when Maddie believed me. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Some of you are parents, grandparents, you remember those things, right? You you felt good. It pleased you that your child, what? Had faith in you, relied on you. Look, this is what the writer is saying here in in, in Hebrews chapter 6. God is pleased by our faith and our trust in him. Are you going to trust him to do the work in your life? That pleases him. That pleases him. Here's the other thing. All right, faith in the Lord, should be in the Lord, believes that he exists and that he will take care of you. Faith in the Lord believes that he exists and that he'll take care of you. That's what faith is. Okay? That's what faith is. Now, the Lord rewards those who diligently seek him. So let me ask you a question. Do you want something different in your life? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? And is that going to be expressed in action? Meaning, are you going to really seek after it? Because a lot of people say they want it, but a lot of people don't necessarily seek after it. But if you seek after it, he will reward you. He will reward you. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? Final point. The Lord will fill you with his spirit if you diligently speak him, seek him. He'll fill you. Now, a lot of us are like, what does that mean? I saw that on TV. That is not what we're talking about here. Okay? What we're talking about, though, is God's presence in your life. Period. Okay? So here's that personal question. Consider if God is calling you to seek him. Are you willing to take the time to seek the blessings of renewal in your life? Are you willing to take that time? That's something to process. Is God calling you to seek him? You'll know. You'll know. And the question is, are you willing to take the time to seek him? To see that blessing again in your life?